Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We have lots of interesting people, stories, you name it, on the show between now and half past three. First up this afternoon, North Louth, we're calling first. And a shocking story. A couple of weeks ago, a North Louth farmer went to check on his flock of sheep and what he discovered was not nice, to say the least. And he joins me on the line. Porrick Rice, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jay. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for taking our call today. Can I ask you first about this? This crops up every year. It's an old chestnut and it's shocking for sheep farmers. Is it more prevalent in the lambing season? It's probably what I put it down to. I think the longer evening, the early, like the getting dark early in the day, and I think dogs is probably not visible to the owners and that. So that's what I think why it gets more prevalent than that. And maybe sheep are easily attacked because they're heavily pregnant and that. Mm. No, what at that time of year? Yeah, a good point is right. As as the days lengthen and it gets longer, it it probably says that there's less of this. Is is that what you're saying? It's not as prevalent. Well, it doesn't seem to be as prominent during the summer. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Interesting. Just I thought it, it tied in with lambing, but it makes sense the length of day and daylight, of course. How many did you lose uh, this time round? Initially, those two uh, drowned or chased into the river. Or they jumped into the river to escape from the dogs, and then I lost one the following morning. And between then and now, I've lost another five with pneumonia and stress, and uh, you aborted know, two lambs and stuff like that. So there's still another one very sick at the minute, and she is more than likely going to die as well. It's shocking, isn't it? Like to to think of of the animals themselves and and all that you put into them and the looking after them that that this is something that you come across. It it, it must sicken you to the pit of your stomach, does it, Parik? It does. When you go down, like there's no doubt about it. You know, it's an awful sickening sight. You know, seeing sheep with their ears and throats and that all bitten and chewed and legs and broken and stuff like that. You know, like there's another. The guts of another 14 years that I'm treating still, that's still not good, but I'm hoping that they will survive. Like, But the vet wouldn't be 100% to say they will survive. The sheep themselves and dogs, this is uh, an, an, an one that goes back years and, and the worrying of sheep. Will every dog worry a sheep? Well, most dogs, even a dog going into this at the field at this time of year will scare sheep. You know, sheep heavy and lamb, they're protective because they're getting the mother and instincts, so they will try to get away as far from the dog as possible. You know, especially a strange dog, like I have my own sheep dogs there, like they don't 
be that annoyed about them because they're no you're used to them and they'll just gather mm. them. But it's strange dogs going into the field. And when a, like I don't blame the dogs themselves because when sheep run, when they see a dog, a dog will ins- automatically follow that sheep run and follow the sheep for playing. And then like large dogs will be well fit to, uh, you know, kill or mm. injure you. Yeah, it takes it, it takes off from there. It might be a little bit of play initially, but then it gets more serious. And of course, sheep they do they do run. They run away. They're they're scared. They yeah. don't recognise these dogs at all. You come back to this point. You, you're you're not pointing the finger at the dog, so therefore it's the owners you're talking about here. No, hundred percent. It's not. I have dogs myself, like dogs, like I always kept dogs around the house. It's the owners that is not aware of where the dog is at. You know, ninety percent of the time. You know what I mean? It's it's definitely the owner's fault. Like there's no way these dogs would back to the house. The like the ground at this minute now is dirty and wet, and that and there had to be blood. Like there was twenty yos attacked and all, and there had to be blood on these dogs going back to the house. Now, you're around Ballymascanlan there, yes? I have grown taken around Ballymascanlan, yeah. Where where are these dogs coming from? Are they just coming, like, there's a lot of uh, uh, bungalow blitz, as they called it many years ago, houses dotted here, there. They could be coming from anywhere. Would they come a distance? Well, it's about, oh, the dogs will travel, I wouldn't know 100%, but they definitely will travel miles overnight, you know what I mean? Mm. They're just not coming from the next door neighbour, you know what I mean? They will travel, yeah. and if they meet up with another dog, they'll definitely travel a lot of, a lot of miles in a night if they have to. Mm. And you're right, a dog coming back, if, I have a dog myself, I'm a dog lover, but I, I, I would absolutely uh, have no toleration of not knowing or that your dog isn't secured at night time or even during the day when you're working or whatever. You must know, and I'm saying that again to anyone listening today, it's up to us as dog owners to make sure we know. But dogs going home, you're right. So they didn't appear in and uh, with perfectly uh, manicured coats. They, they, no, owners had to see this. Couldn't have, no. Yeah. Couldn't have, like... And and coming back to um, your losses and, and, and what you've lost, obviously this carries on from what I'm hearing from you there, that the trauma doesn't just end when the attack ends. No, no, as I say, I'm still losing. This is the fortnight today that I discovered this, and uh, I'm still, there is going to be one. I'd be 90% sure the, the, the other you will die. And there's even lamb, and I'm lambing yous at the minute, and like, Lambing is a lot more difficult because lambs is twists inside the using that from the stress and the chase the dogs give. So it affects everything. And like even, you know, a lamb could be born dead tomorrow. It might be something to do with the dog attack. It might not. I'm not saying every death is something to do with it, but it definitely mm. will stress the yews. And yews will definitely, like there's yews with young lambs at the minute with ears hanging like cut and stuff. Like they're not producing milk the way they should. And, you know, to rare the lambs like I've, feeding lambs night and morning now so we am before I go to work and after I come home mm. and and you've done your best with uh, the ground you have there you've secured it as best you can you've wire fencing up the gates are kept closed you're down regular to checking them but this is a phenomenon of darkness when darkness falls yeah like you can't you can't spend 24 hours a day with no. them like you know I detect them first thing in the morning and last thing at night so you know at this time of evening that's half seven in the morning and five half five in the evening you know mm. So from that time, then they're free, you know. The yeah. What can you do if a farmer comes across a dog worrying sheep? Can you shoot the dog? You have uh, by law now. You can shoot the dog, but how many farmers do you know carries a gun? Like you know, around twenty four seven. You know, when they're checking sheep, I know I don't have a gun myself, and I don't. If I had, I wouldn't be carrying around. You're not allowed to carry a loaded gun anywhere for a start. So you know, there's very few farmers will have a gun available to them when they do come across this sort of an incident. When a dog worries sheep and does it once, 
they'll certainly do it again if they get the freedom. There's no doubt. The dogs, the ones who get the taste of that blood and the killing instinct, there's no doubt they will come back and do it again. Like I had to move the sheep now and I haven't put them back now, but I will have to try again. I'm fixing up gates and trying to leave it dog proof now, but it's impossible to leave it completely dog proof. Like. What do you can you, the other thing? Yes, this is what I wanted to ask you. You're highlighting this, and thanks for doing it. And we're delighted to help in any way we can. It's been in the papers as well, and it's great to see this. But um, what can be done? Is there anything else do you think that can be brought in, or like we're awash with legislation on things in this country? And you know, I think the laws has to be changed. Like you know, there was a brother of mine got sheep killed uh, twelve months ago. He had a 90% sure that the dog, whose dog it was, got the dog lifted uh, by the dog warden and the owner of the dog went back in, took the dog back out of the pound, demanded the dog to come back out of the pound. The dog was let go back out of the pound and killed another four to five sheep after that by different various farmers around the area. That's really you know, shocking to hear that, isn't it? It's unbelievable, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And and you you're of the opinion now that farmers really despair in a way that not all are reporting attacks. There's a lot of I know I did until my sheep was uh, injured and killed. I did not know that there was another three farmers in the same area that had got the same sheep killed as well. You know, so I didn't even know that, and me down there in the middle of it all. So they didn't even report it to the yards. You know, it was just to say the waste of time. You know, there's nothing can be done unless you actually get the dog and follow it home and have proof that that was the dog that done the damage you have. Hmm. Nothing really can be done. That's, I'm sorry to hear this. Uh, really, I really am. And, and look, you know, I know where you are down there now, down to the peninsula. Sure, it's not that long ago, the whole foot and mouth and the disaster that hit down there. And it's it's taken a number of years to build up stock, hasn't it, and everything? Oh, there's no doubt about it, yeah. It's farmer really only getting back on the feet now. You know, I hadn't got sheep at the time at that time but I was all I was rearing the farm and the but I really only got into the sheep back into the sheep when the recession hit on my cap on the way trade. So mm. I just quiet and I got back into them then and built up a flock small flock, but Yeah. It's enough for it. And thank God you had it as well to go to because you had tough times on the other hand with the, with, with with your trade when when the whole thing collapsed here here as well. Uh, but and I'm sure there's a lot of people find themselves in those situations. As you say, morning night you check them as much as you can. You're there when when you're needed, but you can't be there twenty four seven. Is it a case that this is something that is part and parcel of life that you just have to accept? There is, yeah, like there is. Look, at the first thing is it's outside the door of the house, but it's still it's a big loss when you go down there. I have to say, I took off a week's work there last week to try and look after the ewes that was injured and stuff like that. So financially wise, it's a big loss. But even nobody likes to see animals. So no, like you know, there's defense, sheep defense as animals. Myself and a chap that works with me spent three hours uh, going around dragging sheep out of drains and rivers. That day, like uh, Jared Child, that works on my only farm, there's no way I would have managed without him to get the sheep back. The ten ewes that was missing when we counted them, and was this was uh, two of them dead, and then the rest of them all just hiding in the river, like you know, stuff mm. couldn't get out in the river, like so. An only farm, we could definitely would not have managed to get them out on my own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, well done to the assistance he gave you. The point I'm making really is that with the law, as you say, if there's changes needed there. 
you told the story of the dog that went to the pound and was taken out again. What I mean is, like, you know, you'd nearly despair, wouldn't you? And and, and say it, it's just unbelievable. You know, mm. when the when the brother told me that, you know, that the dog that the man went in and the man that the dog back out. You know, for for this man to go in and demand him back out at the start, it's just ridiculous. You know what I mean? But mm. like for the for the law not to be more stringent than that, and for that dog to be allowed to do that and kill another number of sheep after that, it's. You know, where do you go from there? Mm, I, I think what we, we go is that we're, we're highlighting this today to bring it to the attention. And people, you say yourself, you have dogs yourself. I have. Many people have. We love them. We we care for yeah. them. a big part of our families. But it's very, very important. No matter what you think of your dog or you trust your dog, you need to have your dog under control. Uh, kept in uh, at night time especially uh, during the day if you're away and it's up to us as dog owners to make sure that happens and if we all did that then you would have nothing to worry about your sheep yeah well very little if there was a lot more stringent uh, take, taking care of uh, dogs and that there there would definitely be a lot who would cut an awful lot of this out of the, mm. out of the situation and you see dog owners I know will say oh my my lad or my lassie wouldn't do that, you know what I mean? I trust them that into that, but it's in. Unfortunately, it, it's in. It's in them. Yeah, I, I had a dog myself years ago uh, when before I had sheep, and it was just a, a pet dog around the house. And as soon as he got out, one day I was with him, and it took him for a walk in the field, and he went straight after the sheep. So he had to be taken back and had to get him put down because you know there was no way you couldn't let that. Uh, a dog out in the middle of farming community you know what I mean so, no absolutely not this was a dog I took out of the pound you know like mm. Dave yeah and, and like we have That's to say he was put in in the first place yeah so yeah yeah, and, and it goes to show the point no matter how, what you think of them around your house with your family or that if they get with other dogs and they run wild that instinct is in them we're just saying and it oh, can happen dog would come in and yes. sit up on the couch beside you yeah. know what I mean and play with kids and yeah, that you know, of course but as soon as he she she seen livestock, she was just a completely different animal. Mm. Uh, I, I'm sorry for your losses I want to say today and uh, we feel for you and I'm sure many people do listening to you uh, this afternoon Porrick and please God this will not happen again and people will take cognizance of what we've been saying and you've been saying uh, because you can just imagine the scene with poor sheep they they run they, they, it's just in their nature to do that and they won't put up any fight to dogs as well that's the, what we want to get that yeah, message out there not when they're heavily pregnant they no. cannot put up no resistance not a chance not a chance indeed thanks for telling your story. I wish you well and I really do hope you have a, a safe uh, rest of lambing season and, and sheep season this year. Thanks very much, Gary. Not at all. Thank you, Parik. Thanks for Thank joining you. me on the show. That's Parik Rice there, Balam Scanlon uh, up north Loudway there and we've talked about this in previous years and the show's over in me, I think the last time we were talking about it. But come on, if we are dog owners, let's be responsible dog owners. Don't trust them. You must make sure you know where they are and especially that they're in at night time because I happened to come across it once or twice myself in my lifetime and saw sheep that were attacked and it is an awful, awful sight. It really is. You were at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. After the break, we're going to hear about our first unsung hero for 2019. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Thanks for your comments to 086-1800-658. That's the WhatsApp and text number 086-1800-658. Hi, uh, Jerry. Farmers should be allowed to shoot uh, dogs if they're worrying their sheep. I, I think they can. Like a, and if a dog is attacking a sheep, 
uh, you'd be perfectly within your rights to. Uh, surely the dogs would be covered in blood when they returned home to their owners. We did raise that point uh, with Park a few moments ago, and, and that is a question, sure. My God Almighty, you would have to notice that your dog was up to something untoward, wouldn't you? Now, Unsung Heroes, we're looking for nominations from you all year. Yes, in association with Home Instead Senior Care. Check them out on homeinstead.ie. We want to hear about the people in our communities across the northeast who do great things and are never ever acknowledged or talked about or highlighted. And thank you to everybody who's been in touch. We're gathering them all together and we have January's unsung hero. And on the line to tell me all about them is Denise Comiskey. Hello, Denise. Hi, Jerry. How's things? Very good. Thank you so much, first off, uh, for your nomination. And the January unsung hero, Home Instead Senior Care unsung hero is, tell me. It's the Northland Hospice, the Voluntary Driver Association. Brilliant. And we're delighted to acknowledge them. Now, Denise, tell me, your mum, May, you know this from uh, first-hand experience, has yeah. been a beneficiary. She has. We had never actually heard of the service before. And we were unfortunate enough to be put in the situation. Mum is recovering from um, bowel cancer at the minute. And we had to go through chemo there every week for 30 weeks. We just finished chemo there in January. But I had been taking Mum up and down for her chemo appointments up until the children had to start back to school in September. And then we were really stuck, so we were, because you can't bring children, you know, up to a place like that. Yes. And I had no, all my babysitters were going back to school. Okay. So uh, we seen leaflets up in the oncology section in the Lord's Hospital about the Voluntary Driver Association that the hospice runs. So we rung to find out more about it. And I have to say they were a lifesaver for us. The way they operate is that no matter what you ring them, and it's like an answering service and you leave your name and number and they get back to you straight away and you tell them what time your appointment's at and what day it is and what hospital it is. And they will have you there. They will have volunteer drivers, so they have a couple of them, who take at no cost or anything to the person. Yeah. And you are there for your appointment. Never a second late. Whatever time they tell you they will be there for you at, they are there. And they will go back and pick you up as well when your treatment is finished. Brilliant. Great An absolute lifesaver because we were panicking mm. about how we would make, you know, the clinic appointments yes. on time. And like mum's in her 70s and she was even talking about getting the bus to us. <laughs> oh my God. That's how like we were stuck because we're not a big family. So we didn't have, you know, anyone to yes. kind of call on. Yeah. So I mean, they were a lifesaver for us. Oh, look. Every Monday with that fail. They never let you down. And I I know they'll take people up, they'll take people home, they'll do whatever you want. If somebody needs to get up and somebody else can take them home, there's no problem with that. They'll adjust. Oh, absolutely no problem because there's times that uh, they took mum up because it was getting there was the problem. Uh, Getting home wasn't so much of an issue. Mm. So it wasn't. But absolutely nothing was no problem to them at all. Whatever suits this, you best. Brilliant. That's what they did. And uh, I just took the worry and the stress, you know, of how mm. to get there, will I be on time, while the weather's bad, you know? Yes. It took all that out of it. 
out of the situation. And that's what you need and your mum may need it when you're going through 30 weeks of chemo, you know, yeah, consistent everything. and she just didn't need any other worry and that was no, taken away. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it was. She knew that she, no matter what time she was told to be there at, that that would be no problem for them. Ah, uh, they're great, great people and people who volunteer for the North Loud Hospice Volunteer Drivers Association. I commend you all. The other thing is, you did mention you're a small family. You have a brother just with his work who who just wasn't available. You, you're busy no, as well. I had a new baby, yeah. baby number six in all right. December and my other brother lives in Australia. But he came home. Tell us about the surprise for yeah. your mum. Well, she didn't know. And like he found it so hard, you know, he's the baby of the family. We call him the golden child. <laughs> and so we do, because he's spoiled rotten, <laughs> even though he's in his 30s now. But he's in Australia and he's married and he has a wee boy. And when the diagnosis came in, mum was so terrified that she would never see him again. Right. And so we said to him, can he come home during the treatment at any point? You know, so we arranged that he came home at the halfway point of our treatment. Yeah. Now she hadn't a clue, and what's he called? It was just to give her a bit of a boost and a bit of a lift. Yes. You know, to keep her motivated and to keep going. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. What a great story it is. So, I want to officially say that the North Loud Hospice Volunteer Drivers Association are our unsung heroes for the month of January and I can tell you that this will be acknowledged formally later on in the year and they'll be uh, brought together with the other unsung heroes for a special dinner towards year end as well. So congratulations and well done to you Denise Comiskey and your mum May. We wish her well uh, for nominating them and we're delighted to give them the accolade for January 2019. Oh, thank you very much. They're so well deserved. Absolutely. Denise, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Yes, and that award again is sponsored by Home Instead Senior Care. Check them out on homeinstead.ie. And if you'd like to nominate somebody, uh, you can go onto LMFM's website forward slash unsung heroes and make the nomination there or call us on 1850-715-958 and we'll be picking another unsung hero for the month of February. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. My next guest on the show today was ordained a priest of the Catholic Church in 2014 at the age of 67. Yes, he took his time, but for very good reason. Let's hear why. Father Sean Highland, nice to talk to you this afternoon. Hi, Jerry. Good to talk to you. Thanks for taking our call. You had um, a long and distinguished career. You began with the ESB, was it? Yeah, I served my time as electrician with the ESB, went off to Canada for a couple of years with Liz, my, my wife, uh, and uh, came back and uh, got into manufacturing management with American companies, running manufacturing plants here in Ireland. The last one being Hewlett Packard there in League Slip. I set up uh, the site in League Slip and uh, was there for about 11 years, had its okay retirement in 2006 as director of manufacturing. Yeah, you were involved in huge projects. I saw that all right, and yeah. at the uh, the the uh, what would you say the uh, beginning of Hewlett Packard in Ireland. Now you yeah. mentioned your wife there, Liz. You married, of course, Liz Myron. Yeah. Wh- wh- where did you meet her? Met her in a tie, the Dreamland Ballroom in a tie. You may remember the old uh, Reynolds Ballroom. Yes, I'm the showband area in 1967. Yeah. Dreamland Natai. This uh, was from Arles. I was from Port Arlington. Right, and you married in 1972, and you had two children, Shauna and Kieran. Yeah, a little girl aged two. Um, 
never sick a day in her life, just coming up to age two, swept with viral pneumonia, a particularly virulent attack of viral pneumonia that swept her before we got time to get the doctor. A year later with little boy, Tyrone, he was always a bit croupy and bronchy as I was as a child. But coming up to a year, he was distressed. We got him into Temple Street Hospital, battled for two weeks, and they diagnosed a thing called Ray's Syndrome. Group of symptoms after an Australian doctor. No, they don't know the cause or the cure. Something in the blood poisons the... Something the liver poisons the blood and the brain swells, and they rarely survive. No connection between the two. No genetic connection or any such thing. But you lost your two children. Yeah. How, um, how how do you cope with that? Or how did Liz and you over that? Or did you ever over it? Well, Liz, Liz was the light, the energy, the source of optimism in my life. Liz, Liz had a, a sterling faith, ne- never shook. I um, I was angry and questioning and dark and uh, tried to hang on to my faith, very tenuous hang on, just probably travelling with Liz. And I said going to work uh, just for the sake of, you know, not on the hit skid row, but... Um, didn't want to talk about anything, you know, not sport, not soccer, not money. Uh, read extensively, three books out of the library, would read science, philosophy and religion concurrently to try and figure out what was going on in this chaos. You know, how could my children be here one minute and gone the next? If anyone anywhere in the universe knew the hows and whys, I wanted to know about it. So I tried to reason my way out of the chaos, but tried to walk alongside Liz and her faith at the same time. And it was Liz that kept me sane. It was her energy and light and optimism that kept me sane through it. And you mentioned there, you retired in 2006 and yourself and Liz were going to really enjoy the years that followed. I know she was into our golf and, and you as well and your plans to travel and do the divil and all. But my God, you were hit with another massive blow in 2008. Yeah, retired in 2006, end of it. Uh, and like you say, thought we had hit our, our uh, sunset years. Liz was diagnosed with cancer. It's in the kidney, took it out, but it was in the system. She battled for nine months and died, went to heaven in uh, December 2008. And you said to me a moment ago, you tried to reason what happened, this chaos that we live in, and reason yeah, what happened yeah. to your children. Why yeah. did that happen? Now your wife is gone, and here you are left alone. Did that not really knock you out of kilter altogether? Well, during the intervening years, we've skipped forward our 33 years. So as I moved on in the reasoning, going back now for a moment to, to yeah. walking with Liz, I came around to the conclusion through reason that there was a divine creator. I mean, I, I established that through reason and that it was the God of the Bible. Uh, and indeed, the Catholic uh, faith happens to be the most truest interpretation of that. So for many years, I had started to develop a... a somewhat of a spiritual journey with Liz and walked in her journey. So it's, by the time Liz got sick, uh, I just prayed to Jesus, give me the strength to take care of Liz in the way she's taken care of me all those years. That's what I prayed because I was always the dark, the pessimistic one and I thought I don't want to go down now at this time that she needs me because we knew it was a long and arduous journey. And I got the strength. I got more strength than I felt I was capable of in the natural. When Liz died, I just prayed, Jesus, let me know Liz and my children are safe with you in a way that I can stand on. Now, I hadn't lost my faith. I was going to Mass every morning. By this time, I had no argument with Jesus. By the time Liz got sick, so I was out concerned. My children were with Jesus. Liz was going there, and I wanted to go there, so I wasn't going to argue with him. I just asked him to give me the strength to take care of it. Well, Jerry, I got consolations of faith. They rolled in, explicit consolations of faith, just rolled in until I couldn't doubt if the world tumbled that Liz and my children were safe and well. And not alone that, 
were aware of what was going on in my life and looking out for me. And that came by way of locutions, dreams, and little experiences. Some my own and some third-party people, and I'd be happy to share one or two in which if, if it helps. Yes, tell me, because that's the big question I wanted to ask you, because I've, I've just read that quote of yours over and over again, that you actually got the signs, you were reassured uh, from a higher power that your children and your wife were safe and looking over you and with you. Give me a couple of examples. How? Well, I'll give you the simplest. I'll give, I'll give you three and I'll be as brief as I can. The first was very simple. The morning of Liz's funeral, I knew it was going to be the worst day of my life, as you can imagine. I'd been awake with her a couple of weeks in Tallahassee, a couple of nights, and I was exhausted, so I must have just dozed off. And just before I woke up, that moment when you don't know what day it is, I was given to understand in the clearest terms how lucky I was, how incredibly fortunate I was to share my life with Liz for 40 years. And there were the simplest little details of our life that came before my mind, like, like a little film. No big vision now, just, but I understood from the simplest details how lucky I was. I mean, I, I encountered many people, including some of my own family, that had gone through nasty separations and, as a senior manager at work, I seen people's performance dropping off, and it was always a relationship issue. So I understood, in spite of all my losses and what I now had to deal with, I was given to understand crystal clear how the gift that that forty years had been with Liz, and that has never left me. So that was the simplest, earliest little sign, and it carried me through that day at the funeral, uh, just realizing that. Mm. Uh, Thirteen days after Liz died, went up to knock over the Christmas. Liz died in December. 18, got a bit of peace. We'd planned to go up together had she been alive. Got a bit of peace. And on New Year's Eve, uh, I was having a meal with my older sister, who was widowed for a couple of years and finding it tough. We knew everyone was going out partying. And about, and remember my prayer, Jesus, let me know Liz and my children are safe and well with you. Now, I was going to Mass every morning at this time. It wasn't that I lost my faith, but I needed something more. You know how all of faith can be a bit abstract or tangential when you, when you hit that darkness. I needed something a bit more as reassurance. And that evening, my younger sister, who lives in Bray, phoned us about 7 o'clock. Said she'd knocked off work to go in to get her hair done. She was going out partying. And she remembers sitting in the car and looking up at the moon and just finishing the cigarette and musing, Ah, Liz, where are you? You know how you'd muse. Her and Liz were fairly close. And with that, she understood she had a locution. Locution is an inner message of a heavenly uh, source. It could be a de- departed relative, an angel, you know, the Blessed Virgin. And somehow or another, you recognize the voice. I've had one or two since, so I know what they are. For some reason, you can recognize the voice. And you're given a certain sentence or paragraph. You cannot add or subtract to it. It's not like daydreaming. It's just, it's imprinted on your mind. And the words may, understood she got from Liz, may... I want you to phone Sean and let him know how incredibly happy I am united with Shauna and Kieran, and we're looking out for him. And the sense of peace that came with, to me with that has never left her. Men never doubted that. You can imagine how buzzed I was, the very thing I'd asked for. I'm going to roll forward, Jerry, for the sake of time. I had a couple of other experiences, one with my brother, one myself in between. But I go forward six months to June of that year just because this one's outside the family, with a couple of other messages inside the family. But I was beginning to feel, I wonder if it myself and my family just drawing this in, you know, psychosomatically or something, yes. because of the depth of grief. Even I was beginning to wonder that. Now, I was going to Mass every morning, playing a bit of golf. Six months later, I'm down in Parkhampton, and my ex-boss from Hewlett Packard, Lionel Alexander, managing director of the site, site of three, 4,000 people, very busy, ambitious man, 
he was down for Liz's funeral, but I remember I'd retired in 2006, so I hadn't seen much of him other than shake hands at the funeral since that, and this now is June 2009. He found me out of the blue, how's it going, Sean? Fine. Told me what was happening in Hewlett Packard, said I have a message for you. And I thought initially it's probably someone from the States wanting to commiserate. And uh, he said, I don't know how this will affect you, whether you'll please or upset you. I knew immediately what it was. I said, Lionel, I want to know. Don't worry. I want to know. Well, he said, I had a dream about Liz last night. In the dream, I was out running, which he normally does. And suddenly he turned onto a road he didn't know in his dream. Big park, wrought iron railings, a lot of people inside. And in the dream, he's seen Liz coming, walking towards him. So he slowed down, he's running. But he knew Liz was dead in the dream, but she just carried on. Hi, Lionel. Hi, Liz. Lionel, I want you to phone Sean and let him know how incredibly happy I am united with Sean and Kieran, and we're looking out for him. He said she turned to go back into the park, and he said, Liz, he's an engineer like myself by training. So he said, Liz, Liz, I have to ask you, is there a heaven? Just his logic. He said she turned with the biggest gnawing smile you could see and said, there is, Lionel, there is. Turned around and went back into the park, disappeared in the crowd. Remember, I'm down in Port Arlington, he's up in League Slip. He said, Lionel, I want to come up tomorrow, I want to have lunch, you know, I want to know every last word, jot and tittle. Because by this time, I had no doubt whatsoever. This was a heavenly message, this was no dream, no... So, the next day I went up, went off-site, so with plenty of time, he told me a little story, as I've told you. When he finished, I asked him what Liz was wearing. I wanted to be able to see everything about it, to describe what Liz was wearing. I met Liz in 1967. I was working as an electrician with DSB down in Tarbert in County Kerry on construction. We're building a station. Coming home to Limerick, um, I noticed a boutique. Liz's dinner dance was coming up. She walked in the Nationalist in Carlow. And uh, that time, girls didn't go to Dublin. It was like a thousand miles away and there were no boutiques. I was in fairly good money. So I went in and bought Liz's address. The buyers were chuffed. The construction market in 1967 buying a girl. But it did. Liz Warren loved it, uh, never had a photograph, never thought no more about it. What Lionel described Liz as wearing was that dress to a T. Sean, was it those messages and the stories you told me there that prompted your vocation? Oh, yeah, the dark and night, absolutely. I mean, for me, it was darkness. I had nowhere to go. I was lost. I didn't know what to do without Liz. And to know that we're safe and well aware of what's going on in my life and beavering for me. It was obvious, I've other experiences where I know they're working on my behalf. That's been made clear to me. Uh, so to know that was like night and day, like dark and cold. I had somewhere to go. I know who I'm going to. I know who I'm going to be with. I know where I'm going. And uh, okay, I have a lonely journey, but, you know, I'm focused on, on where I'm going. I have a memory card that sits in my breast pocket I was in the locker at night. The last thing I'd see is the three of them out on the memory card before I go to sleep, first thing in the morning. And during the night, I'm, I'm moving towards them. So you believe that they're around you and with you and, and, and this life, and, and you, you said earlier on about making sense, and we do, I do from time. What is this all about? We ask ourselves in this world and all that's going on in it, but you're very clear what this is about. Absolutely, and uh, I... I um I read, but read and watched YouTube's a lot of near-death experience. You know where people are reputed yeah. to have gone, you know, technically died for a few minutes and experienced something to come back. Except for my own experience now. And one particular American gentleman, anyway, did that and wound up in front of Jesus. Hadn't been well behaved and was told he was going to a very hot place. Uh, begged for a second chance and got it. And uh, Jesus told me to come back and, you know, work out what was going on in the world. 
tell people about it. As he turned to go back, he said, gosh, I don't know what to tell them. What did I tell them it's all about? And the one word Jesus said to him is, just tell them it's all about love. This entire journey we're on is about learning about love. All the rest is noise. Now, you went back studying, you know, having retired and left all that behind you, 2010 to Rome, and you went through all the studies and you were ordained. And I just want to mention a local connection here, Bishop Dennis Nulty, who... Bishop Dennis, yes, I was just going to mention Bishop Dennis, yeah, who was a parish priest there in... Uh, St Mary's. Yeah, St Mary's. Yeah. Actually, I was deacon the year he was consecrated here. Right. I was a deacon and did deacon for his uh, consecration as bishop here. The following year, he ordained me as a priest, yeah. Yeah, I was just looking at that... Uh, 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 contexting it a bit here with ourselves in the northeast. So you you uh, have your first mass and you're assigned. You live. You're from Port Arlington and and you work there. That's where your base is. It now. Uh, yeah. Well, I was assigned to Carlow for the first couple of years. So I right. spent a couple of years in Carlow. But days of my children are buried in Port Arlington. We were living here in Port Arlington when the children died. Moved to Dublin after that. But Liz is buried here with them. So I asked Bishop Dennis if the opportunity came up, you know, to get me back here because. Getting up to the cemetery each day is very important to me. And he managed to do that a year and a half ago, which is, I think, what gave me the peace to write the book. Uh, and indeed, Mr. Dennis launched the book for me in December, as you probably, probably yes, read. Yes, yes, we, we yeah. know that, of course, yeah. yeah. Now, here's the thing. You're a man of the world. You were married. You had children. You've been through massive trauma, huge loss. Do you believe that that brings that bit extra to you and your ministry now? Oh, yeah. No, I'm learning that. I mean, I, I've sort of known that along the way, but the number of people since the book is out that, that have called me that have lost children, either, you know, tragically, you know, young people or mm. even suicides, they've, they've come from all over the country, from Donegal to Kerry, either phoned or come up. So, because I know what it's like. I mean, if, if you've lost someone that close and tragically, you'll go where you have to go to try and get any, any connection. Mm. So, yes, it does, it does. And the messages in the book are, are doing what I hoped they would do for people. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is this. In Ireland, as you know today, we've become a very secular society with time and all the history and everything that you know about. I don't have to go into it here today. Yeah. But what do you make of a society with very little uh, store in the church or God? and it's shallow and I think when you see the disruption in the lives of young people do you know what I mean the, the, the shallowness and, and the difficult to get into mentally uh, it all bears back to not having that grounding you know in, in the faith because uh, once you move away from that you lose your anchor and I, I can see it in young people in dealing with today those that have got some grounding in it and retain it in some way have a mental stability that those that don't just don't have and, and they get lost and knocked over, unfortunately, oftentimes tragically, very, very easy. It's interesting you say that because I've seen this run as a theme with several people I've spoken to, especially in the last year or two, around the whole mental health area yeah. and yeah. society, the ills of society. No belief, no faith, no God, no hope. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, a difficult and dangerous time, but I think it, it will turn back. I mean, I, I have little doubt about that. Uh, Unfortunately, it's like a pendulum. I think, you know, Ireland's in a process for it swinging way over, you know, to the, yeah. to the wrong extreme at the moment. But it, it, it will turn back. When you went to Rome and took up your studies and uh, you, at your age, did you feel a little bit 
different. I, I'm, I'm sure you had to, you know what I mean, at your age, to, you yeah. know, compared to many others who enter probably at younger years. Well, I should also give a shout out to Father Warren Collier. Uh, Warren was a colleague of mine, a year behind me. He's a Drogheda and is priest in Trim now, just to say, Father Warren. I was talking to him last night, actually. But um, so, so the, the seminar I went to was for mature English speaking men in Rome. That's why I went to Rome. You do it in four years mm. uh, to give you credit for, you know, a lot of the sociology stuff. So you just focus on the core theology and philosophy and you do it in four years. So there were men, now most of them wouldn't have been mar- married. There were a- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. couple of widows, but most of them would be men in their 40s yeah. They just took the decision that night. There were bankers, bakers, plumbers, Christian brothers, you know, so, yes. and from all five continents. So it's a very eclectic group in that sense. It's not like I was with, if I'd gone to Manute, I would have been in with, you know, yeah. 20-something-year-olds. I see, yeah. So that, that was the reason. Uh, so no, that, that um, it was a very eclectic group. That wasn't difficult. And I discovered the readings I had done anyway on science and philosophy. I mean, I... All I had to do was formalise. There was very little new knowledge in one sense. You know, I read more than I understood over the years. Yeah, interesting. Like, the age profile a little different out there in Rome. Now, before we finish up, I have to congratulate you on the book Whisperings of My Soul by Father Sean Hyland, and it's Um, available. Maybe just get in one plug. I'll be doing a book signing at the Divine Mercy Conference, the Veritas Stand. That's in February 24th in the RDS. So just to get that in. Okay, you'll be there on that day if you want to meet this remarkable man. As the book of your life unfolded, and where you are today, could you ever have believed that you would be a priest of the church? No, no, no. I I think uh, most people in my class or in my work environment, we were to pick ten people, they probably would have put me, you know, ninth or tenth, as least (laughs) likely. As indeed with Liz. And Liz, while I'm sure she interceded, she must be having a giggle for sure. For sure, uh, but uh, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't something that I hankered after. Or I mean, I did it, Jerry. Just to, um, uh, I should have said, to, yeah. Having got those, my my prayer changed to, from. Let me know to say, my my prayer changed to Jesus. Whatever you want me to do, I'll try and do. That's how grateful I was. 
Mm. And if it had been digging ditches, I would gladly have dug ditches. And that's what I thought it might be, meals and wheels of Vincent Paul. But the message came back just as explicit to be a priest. What a remarkable story, and it's all contained within the pages of this uh, book here, and I'm going to give it away now in a moment to a listener. But look, I thank you for joining me on the show and telling your story, and uh, it's remarkable, that's all I'll say. Remarkable. Thank you for the Jerry. I appreciate it. Very much. And say hello to Dennis, will you, for us, from from the North East, please. Thanks a million. Take care of yourself. Father Sean Hyland there, a remarkable man. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. We're going to shine the light on Alzheimer's for the next while on Late Lunch this afternoon. And I'm delighted to tell you that we have Pat McLaughlin, CEO of the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland with us. He's joined today by Noel Heaney, who you know well, who's chairman of Drogheda Alzheimer's Society and a director of Alzheimer's Ireland. Also with us this afternoon is a lady who's been on Late Lunch before and on other shows as well on the station. I think she's looking for a presenter's job here. I'm not just sure. Roisin Curtis is a teacher in St Mary's Diocese in school and we're joined by three of the students from the school Callum Agnew is with us Sam Victory and Seb Lennon you're all very welcome to the show thank you for joining me this afternoon Noel it's good to see you again maybe you just context for listeners what's happening why this is a special time and day for you yeah um as you know, these boys in the school with Roe did a fantastic thing for Alzheimer's. They put MP3 players together for our clients and gave, presented it to them as a Christmas present. Now, they fundraised themselves for this, came up with this idea themselves. Roe will give you a bit more on that. But I thought it was absolutely wonderful what they did. And I said, we have to let the wider public know this. I'm no better man than yourself, Jerry, to, <laughs> to do so. Oh, you let me say, Noel Heaney. But look, we want to say that for people who live with Alzheimer's, music and music from their particular era is very important, yeah. isn't it? These, these older people, as the lads know now, um, love the music because the lads put music on of their era. They picked the music themselves, I think, lads, yeah. didn't they? And it's one thing, they might know what day of the week it is, these people at Alzheimer's, but you play a song from 30 or 40 years ago and they'll sing along. They know every word. Yeah, and that yeah. is so important, isn't it? Yeah, it's short-term memory can suffer, but the long-term memory doesn't. It's very good. Yeah. So let's hear from Roisin Curtis. Welcome again to Late Thank Lunch. You. It's really Thanks good to see you. You are most innovative in that school, I oh, have look. to say. <laughs> these are transition um, year students. Transition year, yeah. I'm yeah. actually, I'm the transition year coordinator. I've been made that last year, so and I suppose I've always been highly involved in in TY um, so the like I'm always looking for a new project to do I'm the type of person that I'm only happy when I'm doing something <laughs> like you know outside of just the classroom teaching um, and the music and memory was an idea that came from a documentary I seen a number of years ago called um, Alive Inside so it's an idea that they actually did it a doctor discovered it over in America and given personalised playlists so a lot of times maybe in some of the nursing homes and care centres they would be playing music and but at the same time, it might necessarily be every's kind, everyone's type. So what we decided after watching the documentary was that the boys would get sponsorship cards and fundraise so that we could actually buy personalised um, MP3 players and headphones for the clients there. And the boys went, visit them twice a week, get to know them. They kind of had a list of music to work from, found out what they like, what they didn't like. And then in time for Christmas, they made up the personalised list. So it meant when the clients were listening to it, everybody was listening to their own favourite songs, you Mm. know. And it has been amazing to watch. It has been amazing to um, 
see the the reaction from it as well. Maybe Callum could. Um, oh yes, we'll come that. to Callum. You're very welcome to the Hi, show. Thank you. you are the spokesperson for the other two, for, for all the boys in transition. Let me say, but Sam Victory <coughs> and Seb Lennon are with you, as I said here today. Is Sam the fella who's the big Dolly Parton fan? Yeah, he's been texting a lot now during classes, asking, <laughs> requesting Dolly Parton and songs. So. We then they see them. They come in there. Look, that's where the texts come in, and and we got it all right. Well, yeah, you know mad what? For Dolly you, Parton, you, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people in the world are. <laughs> he's, he's in a big, big queue, let me say. But <laughs> I have to say, you brought us great joy uh, when you sent us that message. And we did play it for you the following week. Oh, I think it's yeah, Wednesdays. Yeah, I heard it, yeah, yeah Wednesdays. It's Wednesdays when, 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 they ha- when they have access to it as well. <laughs> but look, let's come back to the serious matter of this wonderful music and memories. That's what you call them. Yeah. I love the name of it as well. So yeah. where did you go? Where did you meet these people? Yeah, so we went to Tridor Lodge. Um, it's an Alzheimer's uh, daycare centre um, in Drada. And we went there, myself and t- 10 other students. And uh, I, myself, I played the guitar and sang for them. So I'd sing for um, I'd sing them some songs that they'd be able to sing along, like Country Roads or Take My Hand. And, um, you know, that would, that would recall memories themselves. Yes. Like they'd be singing back. And like Noel mentioned earlier, the way we gave um, the MP3 players to everyone that attended the daycare centre and uh, we asked them what songs they liked and and when we gave them it was at Christmas it was just amazing to see you know light up on their faces like how I think this they were, yeah. is one of the best Christmas gifts mm. I have ever ever I heard of Noel I earlier about Glen Campbell I think Country Roads was a Glen Campbell song I mm. think Jerry was it yeah it's a, well I, I'm sure he sang it in his day as I was well telling, I yeah that Glen Campbell suffered from Alzheimer's he did yeah. he did and you know the one thing about Glen Campbell as you say his music was the very last thing in his life to go he had Alzheimer's but he mm. could get up on the stage with his yeah. daughter yeah. and mm. play and sing and remember the words mm. I think this is absolutely brilliant like I have to say it's um the day they give the presents, I went down with the lads because uh, obviously it was something that we were very eager to see the reaction and see if it actually worked. And because we had watched the documentary and kind of saw the reaction there that it was recalling memories, I suppose we were we didn't know what was going to happen from it and and if it would. But like you could physically see on the people's faces the change in, in as soon as the music came mm. on. Like uh, one man in the run up to it, when the lads took one MP3 and kind of had them listening to it, and he was asking them where can I buy one of these, and when he heard that he was getting a gift of it he was delighted you know there was like one woman crying but you knew it was from happiness and they were like they were literally so happy and the lads were delighted to be able to see that they made that change you know and being able to go there every week and and make connections with the with the patients you know just having a chat with them and it's just great what was that like for you as young fellas because it's not a a place that you would say Mm. young lads from transition year would ever be yeah, obviously it was nerve wracking at the start, like because it, you're being put out of your comfort zone, obviously. But um, but you know it was just an amazing experience to be able to see patients with Alzheimer's because it is an everyday thing. Like mm. it is something that we do suffer with in Ireland. Mm. Uh, big numbers of Alzheimer's disease. Was it yeah. difficult, you know, making the connection? You know, when you want to put the playlist together mm. for for the MP3. Or- I, yeah, exactly. Like there's different stages of Alzheimer's yeah. disease, obviously, and some people you could have a, a totally. Uh, 
confident um, a conversation with them. Of course, but uh, some would struggle to have a conversation. Yeah. But um, that's why we played uh, the songs to them. We had an MP3 player and we played the songs, and we'd see obviously if they the enjoyed it exactly. Yeah, very very intelligent. Let's bring Pat McLaughlin, CEO of the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, into the conversation. You're sitting there, Pat, listening to you know young men yeah. and what they've done. Yeah. What do you make of this yourself? Absolutely lovely project. I mean, it it was good enough not to or to, or to get the MP MP players, but but then to meet the lads today and to listen to them and to realise that this is a group of lads who are in a few years now going to be going out into the world, into work environments, into college, and they know so much about Alzheimer's. I was speaking to the converted. Uh, they've met the people who attend the day centres. So these are the future people. They're going to be the future leaders in the country. They're going to be the future bosses in in work environments all over the country. And for them to have an understanding of dementia and Alzheimer's and to have no issue about it and see you know that it's normal it's a normal illness that people get it's difficult because there isn't a cure but it's fantastic and we would hope that these lads will be the the people who will go on to establish branches of the Alzheimer's Society in third level colleges or to become branch members of our mm. 19 branches around the country we're trying to develop it so we're absolutely delighted with by Lovely god project. they've made a great start haven't they? oh i have to say they really have um noel back to you We've talked to you on, on numerous occasions, but for, for you who's dedicated to this with a team of people, I want to say hello to Anne today as well and all the great people. <coughs> Anne is responsible for getting me on board. I know that. A great woman, absolutely. Who, who work with you. But when you see something like this coming from Roisin and the school and the lads themselves, does it give you an extra drive? Oh, completely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love I love to see people like that coming forward, yeah. Um, and Callum is underselling himself here. He he got a prize, <laughs> and his pal, who's also here in the Young Scientist exhibition mm, this year, did you? they yeah. came third with a project. So Callum will tell you a bit about that. What yes. was that? Come yeah, on. so it's an investigation to whether your strength of short term or long term memory had a correlation with your strength of smell. So basically, we found that if you had a good short term memory, you had a good sense of smell. But if you had a good short term memory, that didn't necessarily correlate with a good long term memory. So there was a correlation between smell and short-term memory. So this young scientist acknowledged this to yeah. you. That was special as well to pick up an award there, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. And we, we uh, in our conclusion, we also uh, intertwined, you know, Alzheimer's as an early distant diagnostic tool. As, um, you know, scientists around the world have suggested that one of the early indications of Alzheimer's disease is the deterioration of smell. Mm. So we intertwined that with our project as well, yeah. Okay, and uh, nice to uh, pick up that because it's a very prestigious competition and to to pick up a prize in it is absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Doesn't this just show, you know, Roisin, we we talk about today and uh, it was mentioned there a moment ago by Pat, the future and and, and young men like this and young people in general. You you work with them all the time. Oh, look, yeah, I work with them the odd time. (laughs) (laughs) Is she Um, tough? Is she tough? (laughs) Oh, it's very tough, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, look, the way I see it is I've been kind of taken into the community of Drada here. I'm a Dundalk woman myself, but... Like, I think that Drada has an amazing community spirit and I've been very lucky within the school that we've had a chance to work with so many amazing people and members of the community um, with with the likes of this and every, everywhere else. Like, this is our future and our future is in safe hands when you have amazing, compassionate young men like this. I've seen it myself. I've seen them sit down beside the elderly people and take the time to talk to them and answer them and chat and like I've I said when I was growing up I, we used to be kind of afraid of people like that do you know what I mean so I'm delighted to be able to see the lads progressing on and mm. becoming comfortable with something like Alzheimer's 
and obviously responding to that, you know. I, I think you make a good point there because I, I can go back to my own youth as well and I've seen it and I have children through school as well mm. and I know these are difficult issues uh, to, you know, take on board and understand when you're young and mm. you're just starting out on life as well. But by God, have they delivered. So MP3s recorded. Was it a big job like to, for, for you? Did it take much time, you know, to... to pull it all together in time for Christmas. When did you start out on this? Yes, we started off in early September, wasn't it? And we started off going to the um, daycare centre first, Trader Lodge, and then we just did fundraising. We um, made a GoFundMe page on our Humans of St Mary's page, and uh, we did sponsorships, local sponsorships with all the students in transition year. So, um, you know, there was a lot of work gone into it, and just before Christmas, we gave them all their MP3 players. You hit the deadline. Yeah. So look at it, you come so up with the... Co- it out now though in in two more um, homes in so we've started it in St Mary's and in Boyneview as well and also apart from that um, there are 12 schools around the country that have taken our idea and are starting it in theirs so it's going as far over as Galway and Ashbourne and mm. so on so we're hoping that we've made a national movement even if it's a small step but like I can't yeah. emphasise how amazing our lads have done this job and, and to be the first people to kind of do it in the country as a TY uh, group is amazing. There's a thing called young social innovators yes. you're familiar with that yeah. but by god you fellas yeah. sit into that category i have to say perfectly isn't that wonderful that you're growing it here and others are taking lessons from it nationally and it all started in st mary's diocese school i have some brilliant people with me in the uh, studio this afternoon when you hear these stories folks about the young lads and what they've done isn't it just uplifting heartening are the words that come to me pat mclaughlin's with us i'll uh, tell you again he's ceo of the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. Pat, I'd say it it goes without saying. The demand on you people and for services is just up, up, up all the time, is it? It is. Uh, there's about 4,000 people each year uh, get newly diagnosed uh, with Alzheimer's or, or dementia. And that means 11 people a day. And there hasn't really gone any additional money into the services by the state in the last number of years. So it's people like Noel and Anne that you mentioned and our 19 branches and our own fundraising staff that are coming in and getting 3.3 million into the society. Every single year we have to put 3.3 million into the services. The HSE provide about 59% and we have to get the rest. And we do it through our flag days, through our local fundraising, through legacies that we get. The public have been extremely generous. And even I was I was talking off air there that an awful lot of the transition year students actually come and help us fundraise with uh, Memory Ribbon Day. I was out collecting yeah. with them in the, in the streets of Dublin at our last Memory Ribbon Day. And for me, it's fantastic because they have a great so- sense of social responsibility. They're, they're learning about Alzheimer's and dementia and they're understanding much more about it. And that's really what's, what's needed. And these young people are the people who are going to lobby the politicians who have ignored this issue for the last number uh, of years. And it is time uh, for people to realise that social care is every bit as important as what goes on in an acute hospital because otherwise people will be isolated in their own homes, Mm. they won't want to come forward for a diagnosis and they will feel vulnerable within the community. So uh, my heart goes out to the guys and what they've done and all around the country this is what's going on. Mm. But there, there is a massive underdevelopment of services. For example, day centres, only about 50% of them are open five days a week. And that many of those 
people are only getting a one day service as well so it may be five different people coming to that so there's a massive need for services that's only one aspect of the services there's need for cognitive stimulation therapy for home care for cafes for clubs for training for carers only one in four carers actually have training and it's quite difficult looking after somebody uh, you know with with the complex uh, uh, needs that somebody in the later stages of alzheimer's uh, may have so we get fantastic community support and particularly in 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 louth um, and that's why louth have better services than most uh, than most counties because the local people have gone out and fundraised but it's a continuing problem that they have and we believe it's it's not good enough that government shouldn't support mm. that we can't forget those who've forgotten, if I could just say that. We just cannot, because the numbers again, the numbers you mentioned there, uh, are increasing all the time. We're living longer, an ageing population. This situation is going to need more resources and more as the years go by. Absolutely. And, um, you know, what's happening in the past number of years is because we've 4,000 people coming forward each year and no development has happened, it means that services are in effect being rationed. Mm. So people who might have been getting a three-day-a-week service or a five-day, suddenly they're being reduced to two or to one day. And that's not that visible. So they're not included in, in weightiness, uh, you know, of people. But there's people attending our day centres for one day a week that could attend five days a week yeah. if it is over. So there's three counties in Ireland, uh, Leash, Leitrim and Wexford that have no, no, dose, no day centre at all. And the services are extremely poor. There isn't a single county in Ireland with even a minimum standard of services. And we're providing 68% of all services in the community, the Alzheimer's Society and with other other uh, other community uh, organisations. But the state should not be expecting voluntary organisations no. to provide services, which it should be providing on the basis of equity right through the country. But Pat, where would we be when we think of it, Noel, even as a country without the voluntary effort of people across the board? You know, I, I, I just... I despair when I think of it. You know, where, what would we do? How, how would people cope? I don't know. You're just fantastic. Roisin, come back to yourself for a second. One thing I, I, I do want to mention, mention the lads at the Young Scientists and well done again. But you were the recipient of a mayoral award recently. Was, Congratulations yeah. and well you. deserved, let me say. Thanks very much. Yeah, you, you have it proudly. Um, it's in my classroom uh, at yes. the moment. Um, Lovely. I'm, I'm waiting to pull it up in the door. Ah, uh, do, do, do <laughs> indeed. I just wanted to acknowledge Thank that you. again for for all you do. Back to the boys for a second and their spokesman, Callum Agnew. And I will mention that Sam Victory and Seb Lennon are here with us. They're doing the, uh, you know, the stuff on the phones and all that type of thing. You'll be able to see that later on. Well done, lads. Um, coming back to you, when you hear what Pat has to say and what the project you've been through and you see where that's going from here, do you get more of an understanding as a young man about the challenges we face? Yeah, exactly. Like even just being in trade or lodge, like and seeing um, what these people go through, and just being able to help them go through the process and just um, just volunteer, it just lights up. You know what is actually happening um, in Ireland in terms of Alzheimer's. Like, like, uh, like Pat said. There is huge uh, numbers of Alzheimer's patients in Ireland today, and that that wouldn't be helped unless we had mm. the amazing volunteers that we have uh, today um, helping them. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And would it would it inspire you as well now to keep 
you know, this project moving along and grow it and do more. You are going out to mm. two more already, yes. Would you like to help even more? Yeah, definitely. Like Miss Curtis Roisin said, um, like we just want to try. <laughs> we just want to try. <laughs> you get a bit familiar there. <laughs> you, you could have detention. Oh, yeah, that's it. Oh, be getting a word now. No, like like Miss Curtis said, um, we want to try and um, promote this as much as we can uh, around the country, um, like requesting from other schools and just getting the initiative out there and the benefits of the initiative. Yeah, mm, yeah. Well done to you, Noel. How many times have we talked to Anne Short and yourself since you've become involved over the years about the local situation here and the daycare centre and the yeah. the raising of funds for for your own place. Maybe a little update on that. Where yes. where are we yeah, with that at the minute? We're, we're getting there. We're getting there slowly, but slowly, slowly, catchy monkey. Um, we have a good fighting fund. Uh, we probably need another two or three hundred thousand, but we have a promise from leader, providing we tick all the boxes, that yeah. we could get up to two hundred thousand euro towards a new build okay. from Louth leader. Right. Okay. So we have plans being drawn up at the moment. We will then go for pre-planning. We will then get the go-ahead, hopefully, from the ASI in Dublin. Um, we will not build this until we have all the funding in place. Yeah. So we will know fairly soon. Mm. But let me assure the people that this will happen because we have to be out of where we are at the moment in less than 18 months. We've been given notice to quit. Okay. So that's galvanised everybody. Uh, but we will um, build our new centre and there won't be overruns on this project we want to tell listeners today. No, you this can be quite sure. Yeah. will have absolute yeah. due diligence yeah. on this one. And yeah. if there's anybody listening today would like to help uh, make this happen, Noel. Yeah, if anybody's out there with 100,000 sitting somewhere that they don't mm. need. There's plenty of people yeah. out there, yeah. let me tell you. I want to acknowledge the work of Paul Lappin and Suzanne Matthews in, in Paul's office. Uh, the work that they're doing mm. behind the scenes is fantastic. Um, I would also like to extend my best wishes to Patty Rice, former chairman, and especially to Jimmy O'Neill, who hasn't been well recently, but is recovering. Yeah. Jimmy is still on our committee and is a great little man. Yeah, and, and, and actually great, great person. Uh, those lads you mentioned there, they were the ones that have been there from the early days. They're the and people that I always think we yes. owe this to. They've yeah. been fundraising for the last 20, 30 years and I want to finish this for them. Mm. And I want to also say hello to Helen and all the girls in our daycare centre who are brilliant, absolutely yeah. brilliant. No, they do they love walking there and they love Helen as well. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. absolutely. Pat, maybe final word to yourself. Uh, if you want to just uh, uh, say something before you leave us today. I know you've said a lot already, but <coughs> what could make it... I know government need to take up the, the, the cudgel here and get going and get behind you as well. What else? Well, you know, I think the more people who understand what dementia and Alzheimer's is about, the more they will understand you know, that people can live well with it. And, uh, you know, like like the lads have been saying, you know, staying in touch, talking to people that they feel part of a community yeah. because, you know, the day you get a diagnosis of Alzheimer's is, is, not, is, is not the day your life uh, stops. You can live well with it. And that's also what we're saying. But, you know, this the fundraising that's been done here is a good example. We're going to the HSC and we're saying to them, We've actually provided the full capital. You were not even asking you to put a penny in or a cent in for building this project, yeah. but we're determined that you're going to provide a certain percentage of the running cost because we can't have uh, the running costs of this being covered by volunteers and fundraisers. Noel, you have 10 seconds. Yeah. One last point. We only get 38% funding from HSE. That has to go up. We're in the bottom three in the country. If we got, The average is around 60-odd percent. 
Yeah, OK. We hear what you're saying. Look, delighted to have you all join us on the show this afternoon. It's been a real pleasure. And well done, boys, again. Let me say, to transition years from uh, St Mary's Diocesan School, Callum Agnew, Sam Victory, Seb Lennon are with us today, and all the boys, to Roisin Curtis. Well done to you, Roisin, and all the teachers there. And we're delighted to have on the show today Pat McLaughlin, CEO of the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, and, of course, the man himself, Noel. Thank you indeed, Noel Healy, for joining us. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Whisperings of my soul, Father Sean Highland, the book. My God, we've got some reaction to this one and people looking for the uh, copy we have to give away today. And some of your comments. What an amazing man. All that he coped with, never lost his faith in becoming a priest. Uh, God bless him. Another one there saying, oh my word, Jerry, what a story that man had. His loss and his faith, it's remarkable. And so on and so on they go. The question for the book was, who is the leader of the Roman Catholic Church in the world? It is Pope Francis and uh, loads and loads of correct answers. And the book today is going to Celine Fagan. Celine, well done to you. That book is yours. We'll give you a buzz and make the arrangements. Enjoy, I'm sure you will. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Louise, have you ever been to an opera? Never. I'm not 100% sure whether I would like it or not. I do like some opera music. But I, I don't know. They say when you go, though, you are guaranteed to cry. Yeah, absolutely. It's Have you been? Yes, I've been Did once. Did you cry? I have to say. Once, and I really, really enjoyed it. It was fantastic, I, I will say. And it was the first time for me I didn't know what to expect or what it would be like either. And did uh, you cry? It was emotional. It was very emotional. Now, it wasn't a, a full professional production, but I was in an app and it was very well produced, I have to say. And you can follow it okay, can you? Yes, and, okay. and, and that's the thing. That's a question I'll be posing to my next guest as well, because that's, that's something it's always in, mainly in Italian, of course. Um, how do you follow the story? But you do, you do. You, and, and generally, they provide you with a, a little guide or whatever so that you can follow it through the different scenes and sets as well. It's got a huge following. You know that in the world. Yeah. Massive, massive following. Uh, opera fans just absolutely love it. And, you know, the Irish op- opera scene got a great boost last year when they set up the, the, the new Irish National Opera. And Fergus Shiel from Julianstown... A local man. Oh, local man is the man running the show. And... Opera is coming to the northeast this weekend. Not the full opera, but the songs and music from the opera is coming here to St Peter's Church of Ireland, part of the Drogheda, the wonderful Drogheda classical. And Fergus Sheil, the man himself, is with us on Late, no- Late Lunch. Next. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk, beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Drogheda Classical for the month of February and a big concert coming up and something quite different as well which we're going to talk about for the next while I'm delighted to welcome back to Late Lunch a man who we met a while ago and he was very excited because the brand new Irish National Opera was about to take off and he is the artistic director he's from Julianstown in County Mead Fergus Shield, it's great to see you again Hello Jerry. how are you? Very good, thanks for good. joining me Well we better start 
and congratulate you. You're one year old with the national. It's exciting. You know, we started January 2018 and it's been an incredible year. We've had like performances in 13 venues around Ireland, big shows in the Borgosh Energy Theatre, smaller shows that tour right around the country. We've been abroad to the Barbican in London, a very prestigious theatre. We've launched a CD of Ethna, an an unknown opera that uh, we rediscovered. So we've done lots of things. We've been, uh, we've we've webcast on our operas online we've performed in front of live audiences we've had gala concerts in Dublin and Kerry and you know so it's been it's been a great year a real roller coaster of a year well, well not roller coaster because we haven't had any downs <laughs> it's been all up <laughs> and of course like when you read the reviews and, and actually dig into what you've done for the year and I'm looking at the critics and the people who write about it it's been I suppose, fair to say, probably beyond your wildest dreams. I sometimes do have to pinch myself, Jerry, because, you know, we, we, we put together eight operas over the year and each one of them I was so proud of and I thought did so beautiful and so, so amazing. And normally out of eight, you'd expect to be one turkey in there. But <laughs> thankfully, so far, we haven't had it. So the challenge is to keep up that level of, of, of work, you know. And on top of all that's happened and the icing of the cake, the Irish Times Theatre Awards... You've received more accolades. We have a few nominations there, all right, for Bluebeard's Castle and for Tales of Hoffman, two of our operas. So that, that award night is on the 31st of March and we're looking forward to seeing if we emerge with the actual awards in our hands. But, you know, touch wood, we will. Now, here's an opportunity this very weekend for people to get a taste of what you do and what you're all about because you're bringing Gluck's opera to Drogheda, St Peter's Church of Ireland, this Sunday, the 10th of February at half past seven. And the name of the opera is? It's Orphea Eurydice by Gluck. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful opera. People will know the, the aria Que Faro sends Eurydice, which is a famous aria that's from the opera. But it's really beautiful. And of course, it's the story of Orfeo and his, his wife Eurydice. They're madly in love, but she's taken away by death. And she goes to the underworld. And he can't believe that this has happened. So he has to find a way to go to the underworld to rescue her and uh, in doing so he, he's allowed to do it on the strict condition that he doesn't ever look at her so he has to rescue her and bring her back to real life um, but not look and of course she wonders why he's been so cold and why he won't look at her and, and, and the whole thing falls apart and he looks and she dies again for the second time so it's uh, but then there's like actually a few different versions of the opera some have uh, attached a happy ending so we have our little postscript where everybody's happy in the end. Um, but So we're performing it in uh, St. Peter's Church of Ireland in Drada and we're doing a concert performance so it's we don't have the actions but we have the full orchestra and singers and a small chorus and we have some exquisite singers, Sharon Carty singing the main role of Orfeo it's really like a tour de force. The whole opera, she's constantly on stage, she's constantly singing. Eurydice, the wife, is a soprano, Sarah Power, who we meet later on. Um, so she appears about halfway through the opera. And then there's one other role, Amore, which is a god of love, who appears. And So there's three female singers. The role of Orfeo is sung by a female, even though dramatically it's a man. It's what we call a trousers role, where the woman you know, is playing the role of a man. 
And of course, we have to mention the Irish Baroque Orchestra under the baton of the brilliant Peter Whelan. Yes, and Peter and the Irish Baroque Orchestra have been to Drada many times and they've performed in, in the series, the Drada Classical Music Series, and they're very well loved by audiences here. Peter brings an amazing musicality to his direction and the orchestra are phenomenal musicians. Um, so it's, it's, it's really something to look forward to. And the other thing to say is that it's quite an intense and short opera. It's one hour, 25 minutes in total. So it's not one of these sprawling three and a half hour operas or five hours. You know, it packs it all in in quite a compact space of time and you're brought on this journey and at the end of it you emerge really transfixed by the beauty of what you've heard. When you talk about opera in an Irish context, you're breaking new ground. You've had a wonderful year and you're bringing this to people all over Ireland and beyond. But for people who aren't familiar with opera or opera performance, and you've given a lovely description of what will be happening on Sunday in St. Peter's. You know, when you go along, if you go for the first time, How do you get an understanding or follow what's happening? Well, I think it's very easy because for a start, we always have surtitles. We perform in the original language most of the time um, and we'll always have surtitles. Now, because this is a concert performance, we don't have surtitles, but we'll have a printout of the text. So you can follow it and you can follow line by line the story of, of what's happening. Or if you don't want to do that, you can sit back and enjoy the music and just let it all wash over you, read the synopsis. You'll, you'll, you'll get the picture of what's happening. So I think for anybody who doesn't, maybe who hasn't been to an opera before, just come and try it once, you know, because you'll see our next opera after this is Madame Butterfly in the Board Gosh Energy Theatre and that's a huge big production um, which is of course a very famous opera and very beautiful, um, but we will have the surtitle so you'll follow the story. If you haven't seen Madame Butterfly before, it's a fantastic opera also to to, to try out as, as a beginner um, uh, so beautiful and so tragic so I, I, and all of what we do when we write our programmes, when when we do our posters and everything, we try to write it in a way that anybody can feel welcome and feel part of it. And you don't need any prior knowledge or expertise to come to the opera. There you have it. And if you want a real taster for this, don't forget it's happening on our doorstep this Sunday evening. Obviously, with the successful year you've had, you've set the bar really high for yourself, Fergus. And yeah. you mentioned Madame Butterfly yeah. there. And you have a, a busy programme in the year ahead. Does that present challenges in itself, you know, to, to keep it at that level, to drive it on? It does, and that's my biggest fear because you know because we've we've done everything so well in the first year. Sustaining that is the challenge, you know. But luckily, there are fantastic singers, and you know, there's no end of operas that I love and that I want to put on. And there's amazing Irish singers in particular. Most of our operas have a mixture of Irish and international stars in them. But we really want to champion some of the brilliant people, like Sharon Carty, who you'll hear on Sunday, um, uh, Celine Byrne, who's singing the Madame Butterfly, uh, Anna Devon, wonderful soprano, who'll sing our Magic Flute, and Gavin Ring. Uh, who, who will be in that as well so there's these wonderful people who we want to champion um, through our productions and uh, and there's no end of them there's, there's fantastic uh, uh, people out there so we're not short of ingredients um, uh, so yeah so it's exciting you know uh, uh, it's exciting and daunting and, and running a big organisation now we're producing seven operas a year we have a a huge amount of people working with us and on our productions and uh, and and we're very well supported by the Arts Council and, and you know so it's a big responsibility to get everything right. The Shield household is a busy place isn't it because Maria of course your wife is deeply involved in the musicality as well you've two daughters who are talented musicians and I want to mention as well the Julianstown Youth Orchestra because they have a big 
uh, weekend coming up this weekend as well, haven't they? We do have an exciting weekend. And of course, you're right. The Julian Stan Youth Orchestra, which I started in 2011 with Maria and our two daughters, and, and lots of the kids who joined in 2011 are still with us amazingly. Um, and uh, we are performing in the National Concert Hall on Saturday as part of the Festival of Youth Orchestras, which is run by the Irish Association of Youth Orchestras. And we have this amazing project which we performed in Navin a year or two ago, which is compositions written by members of the orchestra. So they've written the music, they've orchestrated it, and we're going to perform it on the main stage of the National Concert Hall on Saturday. So we're very excited about that, and we're in our final preparations for that. There's about 64 children involved in that orchestra. This is all secondary school-aged children. And by the way, if there's any people out there who would like to join us, you're very welcome. We have a website, our Facebook, Twitter review. There's lots of ways to look up Julianstown Youth Orchestra. Um, so it's a great uh, a great organisation. It's, it's very much, it's, it's great fun. We're going on our first international trip to Portugal this summer as well. So everybody's looking forward to that. My God, you are a busy man, even busier than I thought, Fergus. The orchestra is special, I know. And I want to remind listeners that Christmas time on late lunch, we met the Nimuelan sisters, Elizabeth, Katie and Sophie. Oh, they're brilliant. They're such a joy. I mean, they, they're what it's all about. I mean, these children who actually started with Maria when, when, when they were about two or three years old and did her music class. And they're about 14 or 15 now. And, you know, they've gone on an amazing journey over the last 10, 12 years. They're triplets. They're amazingly talented. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they're just a joy, you know, and, and they're very creative and, and a huge contributors to the orchestra and I think they're going to have a great future in music ahead of them. Now, the reminder again for late lunch listeners today, this is really special folks, St Peter's Church of Ireland, this Sunday evening, February the 10th at 7.30, it's an opera and the music from the opera as well and again the name of it Fergus is? Orfeo and Eurydice. And if you'd like to go along, you can go on the night. It starts at 7.30. They gather there from 7 o'clock, I know. But for tickets, you can look them up and book them online. com. You can book your tickets there. Or you can call into or phone the Drihid Arts Centre on 041 That's 041 I promise you. This is an evening not to be missed, and it's coming to the northeast. I say again, which is absolutely brilliant. Fergus, I wish you well with Sunday, and I wish the Julianstown Youth Orchestra all the very best this weekend as well. And congratulations on your first birthday and a wonderful year in opera with our own company here in Thank Ireland. Thank you. Thanks and very good much, luck for 2019. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Fergus. She'll uh, just back to Alzheimer's for a moment before we finish. Jerry, just listening to your show, it does your heart good these young lads doing such wonderful things for people with this sad illness they should be so proud of themselves well done to you all and that's a message coming in for the uh, boys from St Mary's Drogheda Secondary School transition year and their teacher Roisin Curtis they love Dolly Parton there's only one way to finish late lunch this afternoon for you lads in St Mary's it's Dolly see you tomorrow planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.